Hello and welcome back to Reading in the Piers. My name is Gary O'Brien and this is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat and discuss all sorts of movies. Joining me today is another first-time guest. It's John Hackett and he's here to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's 1993 action satire, Last Action Hero. So stick around. We hope you enjoy Mr. John, you're here. I am. Um, I'm here to talk about Last Action Hero. This is going to be an educational podcast, I think, <laughs> um, because I think I learned a lot about movie making while talking about this. I learned a lot about script writing as well, um, in terms of how not to do it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen any of the, some of the inconsistencies that I only saw the second time around are incredible. You've um, done you've done more research than anyone else. You've watched this two and a half times. I have, yeah. Oh I, wow! I've watched this. It uh, has removed itself from Prime. I can only imagine to stop me from watching it anymore. <laughs> I appreciate Jeff Bezos saving me from that Groundhog Day I was living in, where I would do things and then watch Last Action Hero and tear my hair out, being like, "What? How? Like, how did they miss all this? How did they miss these inconsistencies? This is ridiculous." Okay, I I, pre- I appreciate you going through this weird be- Bear grills like, survival <laughs> attempt of watching The Last Action Hero. And just for, le- just for the, just for the uh, listeners at home that can't see John's Zoom background, it's this weird, <laughs> like, jungle bush, so I, I'm getting these really good Bear grill vibes <laughs> off you. I've gone into the jungles to understand Last Action Hero, and it's made me rethink society as a whole. And you, you I don't understand. Drink. I don't understand the world anymore. Is Last Action Hero the piss that you have to drink? <laughs> oh God, it might be. It might just it be. Might be. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't guessed by now, we're here to talk about Last Action Hero, a movie I had vaguely heard about but never had seen before until Mister Hackett here had suggested it, and. I guess the best way it's like it's an it's from 1993. It's this like American fantasy action movie that kind of is a satire on a lot of like action genres and movies at the time. And there's a lot of parodies and stuff in it. Um, it made it the budget to give you a bit of context was 85 million. It made 50 million. And for those that do not have calculators to hand, 50 million is lower than 85 million. <laughs> I think um, another thing to mention is that it was scheduled to be released a week after Jurassic Park. It cost mm-hmm. more than Jurassic Park. And it made, I think Jurassic Park made more money than any movie at that time had ever made. Yeah. And this came out two weeks later and just and maybe broke even maybe <laughs> oh no it did not <laughs> I, I don't think this, no this was the movie and arnold schwarzenegger says it himself that he goes this was the beginning of the bad movie <laughs> this is where my career turned from bad i've, I've heard bad. i've heard that uh he only ever regrets making hercules in new york that's the only movie that he's come out and said i, I, I shouldn't have a terrible but i really think he should have probably added this in <laughs> this is a movie that you just it doesn't i mean he was lucky that he still had a career after this simply because this movie is so bizarre it's so bizarre and john and i haven't told you this yet i 
loved this movie. I did I, as well. I, I did oh, as well. Yes. <laughs> See, okay. I was worried. I was worried. Okay, well, first of all, let's just, I, I only want to say two more things about it. One has 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was nominated for six Golden Raspberry Awards, which is like the opposite of Oscars. So worst picture, worst actor, worst director, worst screenplay, worst new star, and worst original song. Hmm. And for those that have still have no idea of what this movie is and still want a bit more information, John, can you do your, your best? And I do mean... Just try. And I know it's going to be hard. Can you explain to both the listeners and me, what was the plot of this movie? Okay. So just to say one other thing, I just remembered that I've actually watched this movie four and a half times in my life. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) I have watched it when I was 14. I watched it when I was, that was the first time I watched it. It was late at night. I thought it was incredible. I watched it when I was 20. I thought, wow, this did not age well. I've watched it two and a half times recently and i love it again so i think in six more years i'm gonna kind of not like it again but if this podcast is still going in six years i kind of want to get you on (laughs) to do this one we should just keep recording john is back to talk about last action hero again um but yeah so this movie is um essentially the story of a child in new york called danny madigan who is obsessed with a movie character called jack slater who's played by arnold schwarzenegger and he eventually finds a magical ticket to enter the Jack Slater world and to meet his hero. And that is basically the premise of the movie and fun ensues, essentially. And that's pretty much what the movie tries to do. And I think that if it's because it takes itself, it says, oh, this is a movie. It never at any point says this is a bad movie. All of the inconsistencies in the plot aren't forgivable, I think. They don't. Um, they don't get resolved. I don't mind it. I I had such yeah. a fun time with this movie. So like, how I kind of logic this to myself was, it was like Ready Player One, but it didn't define itself as Ready Player One. Like, it, like mm. you know what I mean? Like, it was like it had all these parodies and cliches and stuff like that. But it doesn't lean too heavily towards that. So you don't know if it's trying. That's the thing. It doesn't go too heavy. It actually yeah. kind of it, it does a weird thing where it kind of isn't sure whether it's in a movie. Basically, I suppose we should go through the movie and yeah. talk through it and then we can get to these like confusing Yeah, because parts. you are the prime candidate here, John, to walk us through it. You've seen it more times than I have. So basically, um, oh, and I did want to say about the script as well. This script is bizarre in terms of wh- how they wrote the script. So this, like, essentially the movie has a great concept of person in the real world goes into an action movie and it's just fun right and they meet their hero and surprise surprise they come back to the real world and it's a fish out of water in both sides it's it's his favorite it's his favorite like movie he's watched all of them he knows so many references and he's able to when he goes into the movie identify things because he's watched the previous movies but the script was essentially written to be a satire of like those kind of movies the kind of like Lethal Weapon and Shane Black kind of movies, which is, you know, he wrote Lethal Weapon, I think one, two, and three. And it was written to be a parody of Shane Black's work. So wouldn't it surprise you that when they sold the original script, it was brought in for a rewrite and Shane Black rewrote (laughs) it, right? So they rewrote the script with Shane Black. They then brought in another guy who I think had done, um, he'd won an Oscar. It was a... William Goldman, who did The Princess Bride. Um, oh, you kind of get those vibes with this movie a bit. You know, a lot with the the magical element of the projectionist. Yes, yeah. you, you kind of, I feel there's like a, he might have a, involved a lot There's a, a wonder, yeah. yeah. But then 
<laughs> it came back from William Goldman, and Shane Black rewrote it again. Right? What? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> when you say rewrote, did he just like big red mark just cross <laughs> out everything William Goldman? But like, no. From what I from what I've heard, they they had the original movie. They then brought it in, and they wanted to make it funnier, so they brought in Shane Black to add in more jokes. But he then made it a bit more serious like a bit more of it made it less of a satire and more of an actual lethal weapon type movie they then brought in william goldman to clean it up and add a bit of wonder but then they brought shane black in again to add in more jokes and then believe it or not carrie fisher was brought in princess leia yeah princess leia was brought in in order to help rewrite it so that it would appeal to women more and that is like that's the fu- but that, that's, that's the one that where it loses me. Yeah, <laughs> this movie has zero female appeal. Oh my god! What <laughs> this movie? I like. I don't know what she did. I can't point to. A, I mean, I can't imagine. Did she add in all the butt shots? You have to. You have to imagine that she just removed butt shot. <laughs> like whatever <laughs> she, was before, she just removed that. She didn't add anything. She just got rid of all the negative stuff. Like. Yeah, so just, like, so in the movie, there's, like, because it's, like, like it's trying to take a parody of, like, these action movies that kind of, like, sexualize women and stuff like that. So it means when they're in the movie, all the women are, like, super sexualized and stuff like that. So yeah. this is just, like, I don't think you see many of them from the waist up. It's just all yeah. ass shots. For, like, there was just one yeah. scene where they go through the, the lot and they break onto some model set. Oh, my <laughs> I mean, God, yeah. What yeah. was that? And then you like to think that Carrie Fisher was, like, we got to remove all three hours of butt shots. And they were, like, <laughs> hmm. We'll, put, we'll, we'll negotiate down to one hour she's just like guys you know you didn't actually film anything after this scene you need to finish the movie it's like aww no Carrie Shane oh. Black's there like you know in a, in a, <laughs> I refuse to do it and then they say we'll give you more money and he goes I'll rewrite it like, but yeah so basically this movie starts off Danny Madigan is watching Jack Slater like three I think and then gets to the scene in the movie where basically Jack Slater goes in to a hostage situation, right? And he walks in and goes up onto the roof. There's all these kids and there's the villain who is called like the Ripper or something. Yeah. But I also want to point out, Tina Turner's in this movie and she's... She's the mayor. No, yeah. So do you know, Joe went like, so before he goes in, all the cops is like, it's so like, yeah. a party. So there's like maybe like a hundred police cars outside this. And there's like a police captain who's like, comically, comically like, I won't let you go in there. You can't go in there. You've broken the law. And you know, you, yeah. you do this, you're fired. And like, so this he's outside and he's like shouting up at the, the Ripper. And then Tina Turner comes out of nowhere. And I was like, that looks a lot like Tina Turner. Yeah. And I Googled it. It is Tina Turner. And it's the last movie she ever did or she's really? ever done. Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you'd think you'd want to try and at least... but this actually this has a great like i think the first 30 minutes of this are pretty good um Mm. i think the last 30 minutes are very good and i think the middle part is just mad but yeah this movie starts off and it has jack slater arrive he's walking across the tops of the cars as the you know they're shooting down um bullets at the police cars and he's walking across the top of them he's wearing snakeskin boots police captain says you can't do this you can't do this tina turner shows up then Jack Slater walks to the door and he gives a classic Arnie line, which is just kind of a little bit like, that's ah, a bit of a stretch, where he says, what was it again? He goes, um, are you a farmer? Because here's a couple of acres as he kicks the guy. In the <laughs> so it's so funny. I have that in my notes and I couldn't remember. So I just took it out because I was like, I have no idea what I was talking about there. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. But then, and this is kind of, this is where I think 
sells the idea of what the movie it's kind of fun yeah. it's you know a bit mad jack slater goes up to the roof sees the ripper that his villain basically who may i add looks like emperor palpatine crossed with the guy from the room yeah <laughs> and the ripper has all these kids uh held under hostage and one of them is jack slater's kid right so <laughs> jack slater pulls out a grenade throws it on the ground and you know the ripper goes you think i'm gonna be fooled by that hey kid whatever his name is go pick up the grenade we know it's all fake the kid picks up the grenade. He has a knife that pops out. He then stabs him. And oh no, the movie the movie screen, suddenly the projector breaks. And we don't see what actually happens. Or at least Danny Madigan doesn't see what happens. Yeah, and it's like the boss of that grenade. It like doesn't go off for, I'm going to say, somewhere close to 45 to 50 seconds. And it's just like, it's clearly not a grenade. And there's still this, <laughs> it's weirdly building this tension. What if it's a grenade? But like, he <laughs> through it. And it's like a minute later, it's just sitting there. And then, well, of course it's a knife. Yeah. Uh, because your man doesn't have a gun. He has this big axe, like this weird, like axe to a gunfight kind of thing. Like, that, like Jack Shazer just shot him. Like, right, yeah. like, right between the eyes. He, like, he had 100%, he's 100% accuracy for the rest yeah, yeah. of the movie. But so Danny Madigan runs out to get the attention of the projectionist because he's in an empty movie theater, basically. It's in a rundown movie theater that nothing is happening in. And uh, he doesn't see that Jack Slater's son is pulled off the side of the building and dies, we assume, right? So he, Danny Madigan doesn't see this. He goes up, he talks to Nick and the, who Nick, who is the projectionist. But also, the, he's also um, the studio exec from Mrs. Doubtfire, if you remember yeah, Mrs. Yeah, I had that written down, actually. Because uh, I, I was like, who is this lovable man? Yeah. And I remembered he's done that. So Danny Madigan goes home, and his mum gives out to him. We find out that Danny Madigan's, his dad has died an indeterminate amount of time ago, and his yeah. mother is a widow. She then leaves to go to work or something? Also, just before that, because I have down here, Arnie is Hamlet. He, oh yeah, he goes, that was he goes to class. Yeah. His teacher is saying about like how oh, Hamlet's this great movie, and they should they should all watch it. And then they start. He puts it on. It's the one with Laurence Olivier on it. And then he goes to sleep, and he like daydreams that what if Hamlet had been Arnie as well? And it's fucking. I wish the movie was more like this because it's Arnie going around delivering the to be or to not uh, uh, to be <laughs> or not to be, smoking a cigar, has an Uzi. It's just I. I was like, I love this, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense as well because he says lines and they don't relate to the actions that he's like to be or not to be, not to be, and then an explosion happens, and I'm still trying to figure out the joke. I'm still trying to figure out the pun that was there. Like how. I, I don't understand that joke. That's a great scene anyway, where he's seeing Hamlet played by Jack Slater. And so another, just a funny uh, story about, oh, I guess, you know what? It's been a while, John. We're speaking of an action scene. I guess it's time for our first fact attack. The English teacher, <laughs> first of all, she's from Dennis the Menace. I knew her, I knew her from something, but that's oh, all her okay. name. But also, so that she shows them that film, uh, which is the 1948 film adaptation of Hamlet, which starred and directed the husband of that teacher, okay. Laurence Olivier. That is Laurence Olivier's wife in this scene. Mad. That's crazy. I mean, that's a great, like, little connection between why they showed Hamlet and... Um, I like to think it's the only reason she came on. <laughs> she, <was> like, <laughs> she probably wrote the script as well. She probably threw yeah, it. Yeah, she gets royalties from it or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then the weird scene happens when his mom goes to work. His mom goes to work and she says, don't go outside uh, or stay inside for the rest of the night. He decides not to. He opens the door. Oh no, there's someone out there. He closes it quickly. And then he gets a bit more courage. He goes and just slightly opens the door, goes outside. He's putting the key in the lock. 
immediately mugged. And the guy pu- pushes him into the room and says, is anyone at home? And I still wonder if he said, yeah, my mum. Would the guy go, okay, never mind. And <laughs> just leave. But I remember watching the scene and like, yeah, he mugs them. He takes their TV, he, like handcuffs them to like a, a radiator. A, like a, a drain, yeah, a radiator yeah. drain pipe. And because the scene before this was him having a fantasy about action and yeah. I was like, oh, he's just like imagining that yeah, the- this is going to be like, but it's real. He actually gets mugged and it just comes out of nowhere and you're just like, holy shit, what? I like to think this is a, do you want to play a fun game of who wrote it? And I think this is a Shane Black scene. <laughs> I think it's definitely a Shane Black scene. This is a Shane Black scene. It has a moment of just very confusing, like the mugger says, uh, oh, you think you're a big man? Go on then fight back and hands him a knife and the guy goes i'll make it easy for you and turns around and i'm like man he is really making it easy to get like this guy is a terrible mugger like he is hey you ready for some character development come here <laughs> like, and so danny and, and this is one thing i'll give the movie credit for it comes back to things like this yeah. th- this scene happens again with different characters and it's it's okay i, I mean <laughs> he never has a moment where I suppose he overcomes that. Like he never actually has a scene where it resolves in a payoff, but they come back to it a few what times. What are you talking about, John? At the very end, doesn't the bad guy turn around and goes, hey, stab me, Danny. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, stab me. And then another guy comes out and goes, no, me, stab me, Danny. Yeah, which is like the obvious, obvious like reference to Spartacus. <laughs> this movie is so smart with its references. Stab me, babe. What are you going to do, boy? Stab me, says the man who was stabbed. <laughs> but so yeah so he gets mugged he gets brought down to the police station um and oh, then yeah. he runs to the movie the theater right yeah. yeah so he runs back it's his place of comfort right and oh because he was supposed to so uh nick was going to screen him a preview of yes Jack's jack slater play, uh, four. four yes and but he had missed that because he got because he was that's why he was leaving the house he was sneaking out to get to the cinema right okay he missed school right um, and yeah, right. so then he arrives and nick is head to toe in like a projectionist outfit and he's like trying to put on a whole show for danny and it gives him this ticket that he's like i was given oh wasn't it i can't he remember was given where it by houdini who was given it by the best magician in china who got it from the yeah. best magician in tibet uh, or I think we should say also China for your Chinese viewers. Oh, we have none. We have none. I, uh, we don't have any Chinese listeners yet, John. We're currently, we have some new ones in Romania and Sweden. So, uh, <laughs> we're getting that. If any way. references for those, yeah, if you could just, yeah, we're slowly creeping east. <laughs> so this, this bit was written by your man, uh, William Goldsmith. What was his name again? Sorry, oh, William, William Goldman. Uh, Goldman. Yeah, this is a Goldman scene. Oh yeah, because this good. this is a great setup scene of kind of yeah. wonder. And the Nick is saying, "I never use this ticket because I didn't want to ever find out if it was real or not. Because basically, if he found out that it was fake, then imagine the devastation that we would have to this poor guy who's, yeah. you know, obviously believed that there was another world out there that he could explore. And like, yeah, it's definitely written by William Goldman because it's a really nice scene. It's a really lovely yeah. like, yeah, we're going to explore. Yeah, it's great. Um, so then. Danny goes in to watch uh, Jack Slater 4. And this is where we get the pseudo credits. And this is, I think, one of the first most confusing parts of the movie where it shows Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater, Meredith Caprice as Whitney Slater, right? And that's all fine, right? We know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. But I looked it up. Meredith Caprice doesn't exist. No. Meredith Caprice is played by Bridget Wilson. So Bridget Wilson plays Meredith Caprice who plays... Uh, Whitney Slater. But does that mean that Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Arnold Schwarzenegger who plays Jack Slater? It, like, There's a step yes. where he, Jack lives in a world where they're 
is an Arnold Schwarzenegger and is a Meredith Caprice. But then that means that Arnold Schwarzenegger played Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's playing Jack Slater. I think it's because they wanted the character to be an unknown actress so that yes. they, could, they could get away with that. Oh, this actress is unknown. Nobody knows who it is. So if you call them by the actor's real name, they're like, oh, what are you talking about? We know who she is. Mm. Only the fact that they cast an unknown actress in this role <laughs> yeah. in real life. It's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre that like they just essentially made it so that Danny Madigan does not live in our world. He lives in a, he lives in a sub world. Like he lives in a different, he's in a movie and he goes into a movie and then they come out of the movie, but they're still in the movie. So it's maybe a nice reference. I can't really wrap my brain around it. I, I still yeah. don't fully understand it. But then Jack Slater starts. Um, so Danny Madigan gets, essentially, he's watching Jack Slater. There's a car chase. Or no, sorry. The It starts off, we have um, Charles Dance who plays a mob, a henchman with tribal tattoos. Yeah, and I just the only thing I have I have written down here, Charles Dance was young. Yeah. <laughs> dot, 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 and ginger. He it's, was very it's very bizarre. bizarre. It's very yeah. bizarre because he has an opening where we see Vivaldi who's a mob boss and he kills a guy and he's saying like, Oh, the Torellis who are another mob think I'm gonna ally myself with them, but I'm actually not. And then the guy who he's holding hostage gets shot by Charles Dance, who reveals that he has an, a glass eye which has a crosshair on it. Right, and I immediately thought, "Oh, that means he's a crack shot." This eye allows him to be a crack shot. Yep. But I don't know if it does. <laughs> I no, still John, am not sure he... if they had functionality apart from being no. bombs. So this guy had like a little, a little like a, it's a little like a wooden box that he could swap out his eyes in. Yeah. So he had one eye that was a crosshair, yeah. one eye that was like a snake eye, yeah. one eye that was a smiley face, mm. and one eye that was I think it was an eight ball. Form. Oh, there was an eight ball as well. <laughs> yeah, which is a weird, like, when would you ever put that in? Like, And the only reason they introduced this element is because later on, Danny yeah. goes, oh my God, I saw this guy kill someone. Yes. And he has a crosshair. And then he yes. takes his glass and then he goes, no, see, my glass eye is a smiley face. You yeah. must be thinking of another guy with interchangeable <laughs> glass eye. So what happens is uh, Charles Dance shoots a target beside Frank. I could kill you at any moment, right? So then Frank gets brought back to his house where we see the police are about to do a drug raid um jack slater arrives and he's like what are you doing this is my second favorite cousin frank's house he would never be involved in drugs they go in jack slater walks in and sees frank his second favorite or his favorite second cousin which is such a bizarre like so apparently the reason for this was again this is another it's probably too subtle to understand as in like the sense that I didn't pick up on it until I read it. It was more that the joke apparently is that, you know, the way all the Jack Slater, is it Slater or Slayer? Slater. Jack Slater. Slater. Sl- it's Slater. Sorry. Yeah. I was kind of saying Slayer. Uh, Jack Slater. He, the joke is that the first movie is about hit someone killing his wife. The second movie is about oh. someone killing his parents. The third movie is about someone killing his So the, the, yeah. So the joke is that gotcha. he's running out of family members okay, to care about. Good. Yeah, that's good. It's good, but it's not explained. Like it would be like, do you know what I mean? Like I shouldn't have to read this. And maybe I'm an idiot. Sorry. You shouldn't have to look I'm that up yeah. <laughs> I should be I should be spoon fed this information. Yeah. <laughs> but so he goes in, and I think Frank has the best best death that I've ever seen. Like he explains, oh, this is what the Vivaldi's are doing. Here's they're gonna betray the Torellis. And he goes, I'm out of here, and he dies. <laughs> His last words are, I'm out of here, and he dies. And then Jack picks up five cards that have the numbers five four three two one and he determines this is a bomb that is going to blow off blow up 
once I get down to number two, like he gets to two and then he goes, oh no, a bomb and he runs. No, no, John, he doesn't say that. He says, and this is my best attempt at an irony impression. <laughs> it's a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he runs out. He, the blast kills the two policemen that he's with. One of them was two days from retirement. Classic, you know. He, so Shane Wright pretty much controls C, control V from his, his lethal weapon script. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he then, I, the Vivaldis show up and they start shooting him. So he gets mm-hmm. in his car and this is where kind of the car chase happens. The ticket that Danny Madigan has becomes activated. Dynamite goes through the movie screen and Danny Madigan is blown into the screen. So the ticket was ripped in half earlier and it did this like 90s magic effect. Like you just you just know it's 90s magic because it's got that weird blue haze that doesn't affect anything around it's it besides so the items. So that starts glowing and then the dynamite comes through the screen. Yeah, and if this dynamite's rolling towards him, and then what's this kid's first reaction? Yeah. Does he get up? No. Does he run away? No. Nick, <laughs> Nick, there's some dynamite in here, Nick. and he puts it out with his popcorn. Then, but he doesn't put it out with his popcorn. He just puts the popcorn on top of it because it's. Oh, I thought that up. was him putting it out. No, because it still blows up. Oh, it blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So he gets thrown in. He's now in Jack Slater's car. They go for a drive around, and um, eventually they defeat the guys who are following them, doing the whole tropes of you know. Um, they play chicken with the bad guys and the bad guys avoid them um, and eventually just they win, right? Jack Slater is still trying to figure out uh, who Danny Madigan is, but Danny Madigan's enjoying the scene he's in and is explaining, oh, this is a movie and, and talking about this, reflecting on things around him and going through like everything that's happening and just being like, oh, this is like that or like, oh, they do this. Oh, you'll never get hurt because you're the good guy. And there's like, yeah, and this is where I actually thought the movie was that like this is where the idea of the movie be- was best delivered in that like he asks someone for a phone number and everyone gives the number five five five. Yeah, and they go to they go to a, they go to a, a, a like an extra vision like a movie rental yeah, to show and- uh, Arnie the Terminator poster so that he can see like that's you but it's Sylvester Stallone and there's like, uh, like, so there's like, he just keeps trying to convince people that like, no, it's a movie because this, and, and there's even a scene later on where he, he like, it's assumed that he writes the word fuck on an notepad. Yeah. He goes, say the word, say that. And he goes, I'm not saying that. And then it's like, why? He goes, because it's like PG-13. It. That's yeah. why you can't say it. You can't say that. I want to know what he wrote. But... <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> and that's definitely a Shane Black line. No, that's definitely Carrie Fisher who wrote down that yeah. line. What do you think it was? Um... No, I, uh, no, I think it's. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it it does a great thing of setting up when Danny goes to the police station. They have some fun. They see some references. I think the Terminator Two guy walks out as he walks yes. in. So here's some fact attacks for you, just about about those came- uh, cameos. Um, so yes, one of them was the police officer Robert Patrick from um. He has the T-1000 from Terminator 2. The other one was, and you wouldn't pick up on her straight away, it's Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. Oh, right. So she's in this as well. So the two of them walk out of the police station and then Danny reacts because he's like, oh my God, they're from yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Arnie worked with her on oh, Total Recall. And, what, and yeah. apparently they did not get on. And he <laughs> basically, so he was like, will you be in this movie? Because this was the first movie he ever was a executive producer on. So he actually put right. a lot of, he was like involved in the writing, directing and for making sure it was bad. So <laughs> when he then asked Sharon Stone to be in it, she said no. And he apparently said, look, I made your career by casting you into Total Recall. You owe me this. And then she <laughs> reluctantly did it then. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. But um, so they go through into the police station. They see all the references. They see, you know, the animated cat um, who's played by Danny DeVito. We find out later Whiskers. on. Whiskers. There's an old rabbi, which is apparently a reference to Serpico. Um, so they he gets interrogated Danny Madigan gets interrogated by the police officer and uh, or sorry the police captain and Jack Slater and then the police captain eventually decides that they're going to be partners and <laughs> this is another strange part of the movie I think where they go back to the house of Jack Slater and they meet Meredith Caprice who is Whitney Slater and she kisses Danny Madigan thinking he's some guy called Skeezy and this is a confusing scene because it is established that this is Jack Slater's house. So yeah. then later on, when Jack Slater is fired from the police force and he goes back to his he goes back to an apartment that he owns, which he just happens to have a house and an apartment. It's John, you're completely missing why she kissed him. And it's apparently because she runs this freshman kiss service that these guys will call her they'll go to her door and she'll (laughs) kiss them and that's it so weird i don't understand i don't understand why they called it skeezy as well because she says you're not skeezy are you and i thought that was just oh you're not a pervert are you yeah so it was like my second watch that i was like oh sorry skeezy is that guy who shows up later yeah so the kids the joke is that later on some kid does show up and it's just like but i i think the apartment is his like hideout I think that's the idea. That's the it? idea. Like, Maybe so the house yeah. is his, and the apartment is like the hideout because that's where he keeps yeah. all his guns and spare T-shirts from like getting shot at. Yeah. And so, like the kid, the kid, like Danny's like keeps telling everyone, "Oh, I know Vivaldi killed this person. I know." Like so, that's yes. where the yeah. person is like, "Oh, you know all this." So they go to Vivaldi's house, and Charles dances there. He answers the door. Yes. So funny thing about Charles dances, he allegedly was doing an interview. Well, he was doing an interview, and he said that apparently. I think that's. I don't think he's ever done an, uh, an interview in his life. Don, that's getting edited that. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, funny thing about Charles Dance in one of the interviews he did for this movie, uh, he is was, that confirmed he, or is that allegedly? Fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm just gonna have to leave it in now because you're not gonna stop. Gary, you were telling me about an interview that allegedly Charles Dance did for this movie. What was that about? So allegedly there was an alleged interview with a legend actor. <laughs> a <laughs> legend, no, a legend actor. A legend actor. Yeah. Allegedly a legend actor. A legend actor, Charles Dance, allegedly did an interview. Fuck <laughs> you. So anyway, allegedly he only got this role because Alan Rickman wanted more money for it. So they oh, really? told Alan Rickman to fuck off and he wore an in- he wore a set uh, to set he wore a t-shirt that said, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. <laughs> that's fantastic i didn't know allegedly allegedly allegedly, i don't know allegedly yeah i can't imagine i feel like that was a great shout by alan rickman um but yeah so they go to his house and vivaldi or sorry benedict isn't it charles yeah yeah yeah. he hears danny madigan talking about like details that he couldn't know about so he becomes interested in danny madigan so then when they're at jack slater's house later and they meet whitney slater jack leaves for some reason and benedict shows up because there's a great thing of like the doors knocked and they think oh that must be skeezy but it's actually like six different people and it's a nice camera angle of it just goes at like a a a height that would be appropriate if it was a small kid the same size as danny madigan and then you just see the bodies of benedict and all his henchmen and then it frames up and you see that oh no here they are and i think that's a very well done shot and it annoys me that there's so many good promising things in this movie and it just is let down by its own weight of just confusion about what it should be so many times. 
if you just don't think about it too hard, you'll have a great time with this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's so good if you just stop, like, if you just go in for the ride, it's great. So then there's a big fight in Jack Slater's house. Whitney does some scream fighting, which is just painful on the eardrums. Yeah, it really is piercing. So she's like, she's pretending, she's beating up the guy who's like yeah. holding her captive, but she's making screams as if it's her getting hit. Yeah. And so bizarre though, she like punches him and he, like he's punching her, he's slapping her. And then after one punch in particular, she's like, big mistake. It's like, why, <laughs> did, why did you let him slap you before? Like you had, to, you had so many times to destroy this man with your superhuman strength. She kicks this guy in the balls and he goes, She's lying on the bed. She kicks him in the balls. He goes over and across the bed and hits the wardrobe on the other side of the room. And she then jumps on top of his back and just gives him a few more digs to be like absolutely certain, all while screaming. It's bizarre. But then they go out. There's a big fight. Charles Dance runs out. And Jack Slater, because Jack Slater comes back, Benedict Charles Dance leaves and they all run away. And then there's a big chase between all, f- like, four of them, uh, or three of them. Benedict, Jack Slater, and Danny Madigan. I want to say one thing, because I, I just have some Arnie quotes the odd time. Nice. I was like, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to catch the red eye. And I'm like, yeah. ah, I like that. I like <laughs> that a lot. I don't know if we said, but uh, Benedict has changed his eye, and he's now got a red eye in. It's got the red eye back again. Yeah. But I don't know if Jack Slater saw that. Oh, that's a good point, John. So... Uh, no, because there's a shootout in the house. So, like, there's this weird scene oh, there where... there like, is. Yeah, there is, yeah. Uh, where Arnie kills one guy and he's lying dead on a couch with yeah. his gun. And then there's, like, an electric wire. And then Arnie then picks up the electric wire and electrocutes the dead guy who, yeah. like, animates again but pulls the trigger of the gun and kills people with it. It's wild. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But there's a guy... And then, yeah, so then they're chasing, they're chasing Charles Dance or Benedict and, like what's his face Danny goes his own way with it and tries to like cut him off and then he tries to play chicken with him while he's on this bike yeah. and he's like going towards it and then there's another great line where it's kind of self-referential where he goes wait a minute no I'm the comedy sidekick no yeah. and then he realizes that he's going to be mowed over and then he like he goes up some ramp and then like over cycles roofs. across the houses and yeah. then he's like there's this shot where he like goes over the moon and it looks like E.T. E. yeah worse than E.T. as well it was worse it's so much yeah. worse than <laughs> so like 2D but like again it's just and you can tell it's written by three people like that seems like a maybe a bit more of a, a Goldman mm. edit there because it's like that you know love of movies or referencing that yeah whereas like the Shane Blackness was nearly that action fight in the house then yeah so Jack Slater after this goes and he saves Danny Madigan and Benedict gets away. They go back to the police station, and I think he gets fired in this scene, right? Yeah, this is the scene where the um, the captain has literal smoke coming out of his ears as yes. he's angry. <laughs> um, so he gets fired. He packs up his stuff. Um, we can only assume that he packs up the recording that he has because earlier, when he got a call from his ex-wife, and he has oh, a bunch of tapes of like it. different things, like my brother did it or my twin brother did it, uh, ex-wife calling, and he's able to plug one in put it to the put it into the phone and then he can walk away and it just has him on record saying mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 which i genuinely thought there's going to be parts of this podcast where i sound a bit like that where i'm just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh-huh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i i i recorded this three days ago john i like i just i'm not i simply have not had the time you're just you're, you've reached an automated gary i even i even prepared for the whole allegedly joke. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. No, John, I told you we can't do curse words anymore. <laughs> yeah, so he gets fired, he packs up his stuff, goes to his second apartment, shoots the mugger who's in the wardrobe hiding for, like, to kill him. And then has a very weird scene where he talks about how sh- how crap his life yeah. is. Kind of like he talks sad. about, like, 
oh, you think that that was my ex-wife? I pay a guy down at the, sh- at the convenience store to call me. So I, it makes me look like I have a different, I have a personal life, which I was like, wow, what a strange way to take this movie. Like, I think the fun of this movie was that he's a meant to be a movie character, but this kind of fleshes out like things that make him a person rather than a one-dimensional yeah. like action hero. Because they need that for later on. Yeah, like they need to have him kind of be depressed so that he can, I suppose, find meaning, I guess. Yeah. Like he can realize his own worth or something. But it's just a bizarre thing. I think it would have been better if they just kept it as he's a he's a movie character. Like his it is his ex-wife on the phone. Yeah. Or, you know, he could have a bit where he like it plays with it where it says oh try and talk to your ex-wife you can't she's not in the credits of the movie yeah like, you know it, it could have played with like this thing of no 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 yeah everything you've seen is true yeah you know it's it's just weird it's a strange like decision and yeah i think it would have been stronger than for the third act when they so yeah. so what happens i won't cut too far ahead but danny loses his half of the ticket uh when charles dance captures him and he takes that and then charles dance is starting mm. to realize that he may be able to cross over into the real world and yes he gets it in the house raid yeah. so when he steals it from uh jack slater's home he gets it off danny and it glows and he sees that he can put his hand through the wall and go out of the movie in the same way that danny madigan came into the movie yeah and so I think when Arnie, like, yeah, so they eventually go through uh, to the other side. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's that Arnie is like not too filmy for like the, uh, like for the, yeah, but, but he still mean. is. Like you could play into it. You don't need to ground him too much. Exactly. Yeah. He could have learned these things. You know, he didn't have to be a fully fleshed out character before leaving the movie. Yeah. And I think that would have made it like, it would have been fun to yeah. see Jack Slater starting in the movie. Then he leaves, he sees like, he becomes grounded because he realizes like he's human and then he goes back into the real world and or back into the movie world and he's changed yeah. and he's changed for the better yeah. you know he might be better at developing his relationships he might be more fully fleshed out as a, as a character and as a person yeah but it kind of doesn't do that because he's already a bit fleshed out already and it's like you could you could maybe think of it because they're short on time but if you just cut out the entire and I'll we can get to it now the f- funeral scene that just doesn't really need to be in this movie. oh my god yeah so oh my god what happens then is the whole scheme of vivaldi is to pretend that he's all close with the other gangsters so th- the, and this is all before charles dance leaves so we've charles actually is. skipped yeah. over so charles dance um he is meant to like make this plan for mo leo the fart to explode yeah, yeah so they put nerve gas in his rectum at his funeral so the plan that, that he yeah. explodes the joke is that he's known as mo uh, mo the fart so he will de- leo, oh, sorry, the leo the fart and yeah. you're confusing Leo the Fart and Mozart, ah, who I am, the yeah, practice John Practice, who um, is played by the guy who was in Mozart, who killed Mozart. And Danny Madigan says that guy killed Mozart, and then they go, "Who's Mozart?" Which I thought was kind of I like that because later on in the real world, Arnie hears Jack Slater hears yeah. uh, classical music, something that had never yeah. been in a t- one of like those type of movies yeah. and he's like that's a yeah. beautiful it's really nice and that's another one but yeah. like i like that in this movie as that's well. a great part of the movie yeah but did you notice that the way that they set off the bomb that's in leo the fart is to pull his, pull finger. his finger which he has a tiny little fart and i just want to say just pulling your finger doesn't cause that reaction like we all know that 
you pull your finger and fart. It's not something that you just decide to like, oh, an involuntary, whoops, someone pulled my finger. Oh no, someone pulled my hand. Now I gotta shit myself, I guess. <laughs> I think that was Carrie it's Fisher. Like, like just being haunted from growing up, all the boys that like did that trick on it. She's all like, well, but that yeah. must be what happened with men. So I'll write this thing. <laughs> yeah. It was the only thing that made sense, but it sets off a timer. And anyway, so then they have this whole scene where he's um, on the roof of this building. This is where the funeral is taking place. And the timer is going off. They get a crane. Danny Madigan gets a crane to hover over. Jack Slater jumps off and like with the body and they hold on to the crane and then get dropped into a tar pit. I don't know why that like it's some like dinosaur exhibit bullshit thing. I don't really understand. Mm. They drop him in. He explodes and there's just this big tar bubble and they're worried the nerve gas will get out but it doesn't. It just doesn't, which it's still in there. Nothing, nothing is revealed. Like it's just, it's just a waste of space. And then we finally Mm. get to the cool bit. Like my favorite bit of this movie is where Charles Dance breaks the fourth wall, both metaphorically and literally, because he turns to the camera and starts talking to the audience, like us. Yeah. But also, it's yeah, like the people who would be in the cinema as well. And it's just and he compares himself to God. Yeah, it's a really good piece. I love it. But it goes to show you that. The Torellis didn't matter in this movie. No, not at all. It, it could have be been cut, cut completely. Yeah. It didn't matter. No. Like that entire funeral scene doesn't matter. They could have skipped all that and had Jack Slater show him a few things. They could have gone on like generic kind of um, missions yeah. or whatever. And then Charles Dance gets out yeah. and that kind of, it would have been like 30 minutes quicker because yeah. this movie is. Yeah. Or spend more time long. in the real world. Yeah, exactly. That is when they get out, um, Charles Dance gets out, Jack Madigan or Jack, Jack, Danny Slater and Jack. Danny Madigan and Jack Sorry, Slater. Sorry, who's uh, Danny Slater and Jack Madigan? Can you just explain that to me, John? And, let, and I, I don't know who these alleged characters <laughs> are you're mentioning. Who? They, um, it's a very small Arnold Schwarzenegger, a very <laughs> tall, <laughs> very tall. I don't know. Austin O'Brien. Austin O'Brien. Um, Austin O'Brien's <laughs> head on Jack, on Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> muscular body <laughs> to just haunt your dreams. But they get out into the real world, and it's great because Charles Dance gets to have this whole experience of like crime in the real world. Oh, Doesn't have an immediate reaction. I love like that scene. See someone getting shot, and just for their shoes, and he's like, "What is this? Like, what? Why aren't the police here? Why isn't Why isn't anyone doing anything? People are just walking by." And then he goes and he kills a man. And he's like, "I've shot a man." Yes, I did it on purpose. <laughs> nobody. I I didn't know who he was. He's dead now because I've shot him. <laughs> it's fantastic and some guy goes shut up that, like and this is where i was like yes i love this element of the movie it's great yeah and and he gives the movie so much purpose in that he can then he then is traveling to different movies and able to get villains out and it kind oh. of misses a beat by not having he just goes and gets the ripper he doesn't get like See, anybody this is where else I was like this is where it could have been a great um, ready player one and that you could have you could have gone to like the budget would have gone skyrocket but yeah. you could have just got a a, a yeah. shark and called it like something else again though gary this movie was 80 million dollars it cost like 20 million more yeah, than jurassic park but like how like where in this movie do you see that money going uh rewrites and salaries yeah and pr- probably drug probably money drug like money. probably a, a huge amount of money laundering went through this movie <laughs> It's like when Arnie just like expensed uh, his steroids on this movie. Yeah. The executive producer. <laughs> I ah, think there it's is part of the catering. <laughs> <laughs> but that is like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a real Torelli mob who just like licensed their oh. name and <laughs> money through to get like some drug money clean. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's yeah. what happened here. But um, so then Jack Slater goes to the real world and 
Danny kind of loses faith in him because, you know, he's in the real world. He's not going to be able to do the things that he could before. And there's some great stuff about, like, Arnold's, or Jack Slater isn't able to drive properly. Like, he's a horrific driver. And then he goes into the real world and he drives and he's horrific again. And, like, he he goes to the kid, you want to see an explosion? And he shoots at the taxi that goes by and nothing happens. He just goes, not a word. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, he, 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 like, punches, like, glass and he goes, that actually hurt. And he starts to realize, yeah. like, all, the, all these real world stuff. So my favorite thing yeah. about when they cross over to the real world is you mentioned earlier about how Nick had, you know, been scared to experience this ticket and what magic it could behold. And then it actually, then he realized that he wasted his entire fucking life holding onto this ticket and doing nothing <laughs> with it. He goes, wow, it actually worked. It was actually something I could have used to benefit my life yeah. instead of owning this rundown cinema <laughs> years i wasted and you could just see you could just see in the back of his mind the movies that he would have gone to yeah. and all of them were that man had, all of them were adult, like that, adult that was, films that was a point like, like he he works in a rundown movie theater he's 100% going to out oh they're showing they're 100%. showing all the pornos in that one yeah <laughs> um but speaking of movie theaters then so what happens is then they realize that the Charles Dance has gone through to the other side and they reckon they're going to kill real life Arnold Schwarzenegger yes to stop the Jack Slater movies it's kind of confusing but it's a good like it's it has a very fun scene where you then see actual Arnold Schwarzenegger and actual Maria Shriver his wife at the time uh, they're great so I have all the cameos from this so nice. from, so you, you get Arnold Schwarzenegger as himself you get Tom Doonan who plays the character of the yes. Ripper but then yeah. he also plays himself as an actor. Yeah. So you have Little Richard as well. You have Entertainment Tonight host Lisa Gibbons, Jim Belushi. You have Chevy Chase, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. You also have Tom Noonan. I also saw what, uh, MC Hammers there as well. I think there was one of the Whalen brothers as well. So that, all right. yeah, so there's like all of those show up and they're all like attending mm. this premiere. And like, so I really like that element of it. And like, that's probably where some of the budget went that we were talking about earlier, like true. getting Jean-Claude yeah, Van Damme true, true. to like show up to this. Yeah, John. Jean-Claude Van Damme is definitely the high-budget movie star there, definitely. He, he definitely was the most. Yeah, I because I, when I saw him, I was like, they definitely, like, they, he didn't seem like the type of guy who would want to do this movie. Do you think they tricked him? Do you think they tricked him into thinking it was a real premiere? <laughs> I mean, he's an action guy, but, like, it's weird. I bet they thought, I bet he thought it was his own movie. I bet that's where the 80 million went. I bet they had a separate movie where Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme was also with Austin O'Brien playing their own, like, Jack Slater movie. And he didn't realize when he went to the premiere in real life, he was like, where's my movie? Why is this all with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, sorry, just speaking of budget and this premiere, I have a quick fact to talk about it. So, the filming of this movie involved a seven-day, 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. shutdown of Times Square in New York, which involved what? originally a 75-foot balloon of Arnold Schwarzenegger held three sticks of dynamite, but after the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, Richard Brick, commissioner of New uh, commissioner of the New York City's Mayor Office of Film, Theater, and Broadcasting, and Gary Martin. Uh, president of production at Columbia Films agreed to change the prop to a badge. So for seven days, for a week, they shut down Times Square from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. for a wow. scene that. That's going to be, that's got to be where all the movie but, is. But what, what, how much is. time did they spend on there? Like it was such little time they actually spent yeah. in Times Square. Outside. Like three yeah. shots, three main bits. Yeah. The rest of it all could have done, be done on set somewhere. You didn't even need Times Square as well. You could have like, how many shots of Times Square? Like the you could have had the, the outside of it. 
that's it. And that was a week of work. Good Lord. Um, oh, I've actually, I forgot to say. So what did you think of the PowerPoint transitions that are in this movie? Specifically, the very start of this movie. Yeah. Where it does this like, it has essentially angles and it zooms in. Yeah, it's almost so, like a door coming full, like closing. What I I thought that was weird as well until I realized that it, that's because it's a movie within a movie. So it's not the proper beginning of the movie. What we're doing is we're entering the movie and then we're entering the movie within the movie, which is why I think it was right. weird. I think that's what they were going for. And I think that's the weird part about this movie is that it has a couple of those but not like it's not all the time it's not like directed it's not like kind of oh this is all of the transitions it just kind of happens every now and then well production of this movie ran until the week before it came out so i imagine they were curious according to imdb trivia section uh it was going on until so another reason why it had such bad press was when they had to screen it for uh critics a lot of the special effects weren't done so when they saw it, they were like, what the fuck is this? And then, yeah. so they wrote reviews based on that. And so it had a really bad buzz mm. going into it. So then, and then obviously it was like coming out around the time of Jurassic Park. So I was like, well, I couldn't be arsed going seeing this. Yeah. And I have to assume that they did the honorable thing and didn't add in the special <laughs> effects because some <laughs> of them are horrific in this movie. See, it's weird because like a lot of it, and, and like a lot of me watching this movie was like, are they doing a parody here? Or is that just what movies were like in the 90s? Or was this yeah. bad CGI? Or is that just like, do you know what I mean? It was that kind of like, <laughs> what is this? Like, okay, let's just finish yeah, doing the whole movie. Then we can break, break into a bit more. Yeah, so they yeah. go to the premiere. Charles Dance got the Ripper from another movie and he tries to, yeah. he, uh, it's believed that he goes and he sneaks into the premiere because everyone thinks he's the actual actor that yes, plays Tom the Noonan. character in the movie. Or Tom Doonan. Tom New... Tom... Tommy new... Boy. Good old Tommy Boy. Good Tommy Joe. <laughs> and they break it. He gets in and they start being chased around and then they're... It ends up with a scene that they're on the rooftop it's raining and it's it parodying the very start of jack's or the end of jack slater 3 where jack slater or the ripper has danny uh madigan and he's holding him in the exact same way as um they were doing originally and jack slater comes up and they kind of hinted he's like what are you gonna do this time jack i know the grenade's not real like that kind of uh i we've done this before yeah i can kill you this time you know there's an actual threat here and he says uh, and and the ripper says the line I'll be back. And yes. I, I, I like, and then uh, uh, Jack Slater, who doesn't know who Arnie is, of course comes back, like, he comes with the line like, no, you won't. And then yeah. like electrocutes him with the wire again. Yeah. And then he gets, and then Charles Dance comes around and shoots him in the chest. Is that it? How does yes. Charles Dance appear? Charles Dance, how does that happen? Anyway, Charles Dance comes out of nowhere. He gets shot. I think they kill Charles Dance. This is where the movie just kind of... kill Charles Dance. They yeah. kill Charles Dance, but he's still mortally wounded. And he doesn't understand yes. how he's... He's like, it's just a flesh wound, but then he realizes that it's the real world. Yeah, but you're going to die from a gunshot, so... And Charles Dance had the ticket and lost the ticket stub. Oh, no, he takes the ticket No, stub. they get the ticket. They get the ticket. And they lose it, and it ends up near a cinema playing a movie where Ian McKellen plays Death. Yes. So he then yes. comes out of the screen as Death, goes around... Yes. Uh, like, it's believed that he kills a police officer... Just just by touching him. <laughs> yeah. And then death comes to take Jack Slater, the yes. fictional character. And then there's yes. like, a, they, they then eventually realizes. And Danny Madden says, you can't take whoever you want, which is apparently meant to, which they didn't really set up at all. Like Danny Madigan doesn't have a dad because the guy died at some point in the past. And that's like him basically 
confronting death and saying you can't just take who you want because yeah. you can't take jack slater you can't take my dad you're not allowed to do this yeah which was it's really powerful but it didn't yeah, it's great that's a william that's a william goldman line right yeah. there but it didn't really kick into that so then the so then they realized they can't so the how they're going to cure slater is by getting him back into the movie yep. which where he'll it'll only be a flesh wound but they don't have the ticket so they get back and then he's like oh it's not working it's not working we can't get through and then yep. nick goes or death then says hey there was two halves of those tickets that was then, this. Yeah. So then Danny Madigan drop fucking drop kicks this ticket <laughs> to the box. It was so funny because it's just it's like a jackass scene because it's just a picture of the of the of the place where they put the tickets and the kid actor just comes in with a motherfucking drop kick, <laughs> gets the ticket, gets Arnie onto the other side, and then it, it, he's cured. Then yeah, it becomes a flesh wound. Like they have all of these people show up. The doctor goes, "What is this a joke? I wouldn't even call this a flesh wound." And that's essentially then jack slater moves on and he is able to like improve his life with the new lessons that he's learned like he's a more complete and rounded person and danny madigan hasn't changed at all um he's the same person at the start of the movie and the end um you can't even say that like he's in a position where let's hypothetically say and we've all been in this position where a mugger is trying to mug you and he's giving you the knife and he's turned around and he's saying come on stab me i think we've all been in that position i well i i've been on the other side of that i've been mugging a person and i turned oh. around and said they could stab me <laughs> so that's that um i think that that's that's pretty much the plot of last action hero yeah and i have some i have some quick fact attacks i can i can rattle off for oh you. nice so the body count 83 nice Arnold Schwarzenegger thought the script was one of the best he'd ever read. Uh, he especially liked all elements of comedy, action, drama, and satire in it, not knowing it would bankrupt him. <laughs> so Arnold was paid, I think it was $15 million in 1992. What? This movie cost $80 million. He was paid $15 million, uh, which today is $27 million. And I was kind of shocked by that, because I knew that like Robert Downey Jr., for example, in The Avengers, got paid $50 million yeah. overall. Which means that this movie paid their highest paid actor just under or just over half of what Robert Downey Jr. got for the best selling movie of all time, which made like $2.8 billion. This movie made 80 or 50, was it? Uh, it made 50, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, that is, a, that is a ratio and a half. Okay, so just I was doing some research there. So, I mean, I know this off the top of my head. So, mm, of course. You were talking about how. Arnie got paid a ridiculous amount for this movie. Yeah. So he what, what say fifteen million? Yeah, at the time. Cut to six years later. Uh yeah, right. Well, sorry, that was nineteen yeah, it's nineteen ninety six. So it would have been what, four years later, sorry. I've watched uh, Last Action Hero again. <laughs> Every six years I watch it, so six years after that, I've watched it twice. <laughs> I love if you don't do years. What age you on? About three last action heroes? Yeah. <laughs> I'm legal. <laughs> Um, so in 1996, he started. Uh, he did. He obviously filmed Batman and Robin, um, right. as Mr. Freeze, and that movie had a budget of 125 million dollars. He was paid right. 25 million dollars. Wow! He was he accounted, he accounted of a fifth, and that came out after Last Action Hero, and they still paid him. <laughs> it's a. I mean, he makes bank. You got to say fair play to Arnie for um, being able to keep making bad movies, and it just doesn't. It kind of bounces off him. Like people are, it's not a big thing. He made Terminator too, so people just go, ah, sure, give him the money. He He's do. a charismatic guy. He's almost like a a Will Smith kind of character where he can. He's just got a likable personality, and you just like watching him on the movie. 
yeah. or in any movie. That and I think in. I think he does great in it. I think Austin O'Brien is an annoying fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know who was the writer that kept giving him the line, Hello! Like, I said, just like, we're in a movie. Hello. And I was just like, she says that about six times. I'm just like, yeah. he's so annoying. Um, yeah. And who else is pretty good? Charles uh, Dance. Charles Dance is excellent. He's so good at this. Oh, yeah. he's like, he has so much fun. He's the only person, I think, who understands the movie through and through. Like, it's he knows he's one dimensional. He knows he's the bad guy. He knows how he should act. And he does it well. And he's just a very enjoyable part of the movie and then the girl who plays meredith she's all right she's like nothing yeah. special about her and um, like it's like look the actions oh the actions like you know cheesy nearly in a way the mm. the performances are fairly decent there's a plot in there somewhere that's halfway good like yeah. i wish and this is what my biggest takeaway from this movie was i wish they did this again today so do I. I, I think, it's a, I think it's a great concept. I would 100% be up for a remake of this. I don't know how you would do it, but I feel like you could parody things like The Fast and the Furious. Like, there's definitely stuff in there that you could Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, That's a great thing. What they should have had is Jack Slater going into other movies. Yeah, like, that should have been a like, fantastic it would be great if he could have gone to another movie and just get rid of the trellies and add in some time where he's interacting with different things, learning more about, like, movies, and then using that to his advantage. Kind of like I the Hamlet they, theme. Like, yeah, have yeah. Him oh, put, yes. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, put Arnold... That like, would be brilliant. If Charles Dance ran out of the movie and then went into a different movie and they had to chase him through movies, oh, that would be incredible. I feel, that but, would have been you know what? I, and do you know how you can save money? Just make it an animated... Put him in an animated movie. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Something like that, but... That's, well, that's, miss you, Gary. This cost $80 million and we're not sure where any of them... <laughs> any of those dollars went. They had to go somewhere. Imagine, I'm trying to think. I can imagine them floating the idea of like, what if he goes into other movies? And then the guy who's in charge of the like CGI for the tickets and for travel <laughs> it just went, no, 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 I'm not doing it anymore. Have you seen my computer? And he just points to it and it's this <laughs> dingy motherfucking computer. And he's like, I'm lucky I can see colors in this thing. He looks, he looks at the computer and it's got that same effect that the ticket does <laughs> with just like lightning coming out of it. <laughs> it is shockingly, shockingly like, it's a great concept. I just wish they'd executed it with more direction and like intention all the way through. I think it would have been brilliant if they had just done that. Absolutely, absolutely. So like, look, Mr. Scanlon himself was on here with a rating system suggestion idea. And I don't know if you'd be up for it, but it's pretty much a, it goes from, it's, it is two options pretty much. It makes it nice yeah. and easy, which is a, should you watch or should you not watch? What is your okay. recommendation to the fine listeners of this podcast? I think you should watch um i think that you should watch the first half and the l- first half and the last half that's my recommendation <laughs> no, i think you should watch the first third and the last third and i think it's great i give it uh jack slater three out of five okay uh i think it's a should watch and i give it three hellos out of four <laughs> <laughs> right ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening mr hackett thank you so much for coming on do you have any any final words um please release me from this six-year groundhog day that i seem to be <laughs> occupying um i would love to honestly i think this is a great drinking movie i think there's a lot of things in this movie that you could get a lot of fun out so if you're looking for a cheesy flick um I suppose you just have to buy it because it's not on Amazon Prime anymore. No, uh, we picked a movie that you have to purchase. So I'm sorry, guys. Yeah.
<laughs> you got to be committed. Yeah, Don't worry, I can, I can lend you a copy. I can lend you a copy. I've got hundreds. Or, or you could just like John, or you could just pay John to come over to your house and, <laughs> and tell it. <laughs> Which is pretty much this podcast. Just you just don't have me in here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have all the gaps where I go and I'll react. I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. Uh-huh. What you do is yeah, I'll yeah, record yeah. a tape for you to play <laughs> alongside you telling it, and that's all my bits. Perfect. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, John. Again, thank you to our listeners. If you want to know when any more podcasts are coming out, you can follow us at, at Reeling in the Peers on Instagram. You can also follow us on Spotify or subscribe on apple podcasts if you want to tell a friend go on do it if you think they're going to enjoy movies about uh, that are completely over budget and we don't know where the budget's going tell them that this podcast exists if you have a friend who's in the trolley mob boss uh, or in the trolley mob gang just get him in here get him onto the podcast we'd love to pick their brain <laughs> tell them to phone in on 555-5555 okay ladies and gentlemen thank you very much we hope you enjoyed goodbye